about hard decisions, decisions that require real, honest assessment of our roster. We talk about the goal being to win the Super Bowl, and we certainly thought that was the case in 2019. We're going to do everything we can to improve uh, our situation in 2020. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Everything is on the table to evaluate throughout our offense. Intercepted right off the bat by Ogletree. Touchdown. Our defense. Holmes is going to go the other way. He's going to take it to the end zone. Touchdown, Chiefs. And our special teams. Snap, hold, kick is wide left. Nate, no one's happy. The word that comes to my mind this season is regression. And why did we regress? From WGN Radio, it's Adam Hogue. There's a fine line between winning and losing in the NFL. Points are points, and if they're giving them to you, you take them. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. 8-8 eight eight just seems perfect for what they are this year. The offense taking the steps back. Your quarterback taking the steps back. Significant. Here they are, the Adams. It's not all just one person's fault. There's a number of factors in play here we have to sort through. Hogan Johns. Let's begin now. What's up? Welcome in. Another snowy day in Chicago as the offseason rolls on. Adam Hogan, Adam Johns here with you and plenty to talk about. What's up, Johnsy? What happened to that weather you brought back from Miami? Uh, Well, I didn't say I was bringing back spring. I've never heard anyone complain as much about shoveling snow as you have this morning. (laughs) It's not even that much. It's not. It's not. But I don't like having to do it twice. I mean, like. Come on, we all live in the Midwest here. We grew up here. It's it's this it's the snow that's coming while you're shoveling that's you know telling you you're going to have to come out here again, Adam, in the next thirty to forty minutes if you really want your sidewalk clean. Because I'm going to continue to calm down. Now, of course, people are gonna say, Well, you know, why didn't you just wait? Well, I have to get my car out of the driveway. I don't want the compressed snow on my driveway. These are <laughs> things you learn when you deal with shoveling in, in Chicago, in the Midwest, in wherever. You deal with snow. So, yeah, shovel twice today already here in Chicago. All right. A uh, little OCD about the snow. You don't want to <laughs> get the tire tracks down and then it makes it. Okay. Come on. That's so annoying. You shovel, you get the tire tracks down. There. You can't get that snow up. It's going to freeze into ice. Hey, you I'm, the, know this. I'm the guy that injured my back because I wasn't home to get all the ice off the driveway. And then I spent a week chipping at it and eventually I blew out my rhomboid. You're wrong, boys. That's what, Way to go. That's, You're really going to be prepared and ready for when we have to climb those stairs next month. That's what the I, that's what the chiropractor told me. I know. I'm in trouble because I keep wanting to go to the gym, and I can't. Wait, you me. went to the chiropractor after dealing with snow? You you should not say anything to me about <laughs> complaining about my tire marks on my driveway. Well, I got a legitimate injury here. Legitimate. All right. Um... I do remember us having this conversation last year where basically March came around and both of us were like, we're not shoveling anymore. Yeah, I quit. Yeah, I'm done with that. All right, anyway, uh, we're not here to complain about winter. We're here to get through it and uh, no better way to do it. We're here to complain about the Bears, yes. Yes, uh, no better way to do that than to uh, talk some football. Dude, the Combine's in like two and a half weeks. Yeah, I'm getting together with Fishman next week to start the planning process. Okay, settle down. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, speaking of the fish man, uh, we were going to have him on the podcast today, but he uh, has more important things to do. Apparently, he has to inspire young collegiate minds. And I guess in terms of all the colleagues that we have in the media room, Kevin Fishbane is a safe one to follow. What? You, what? No. Yeah. Um, we are going to talk about 
one of his stories, though, that's right here on The Athletic, and uh, this is Hogan Johns. You can follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. And we might as well plug the the fish man since we're going to discuss a story of his, at K Fishbane. Although, I don't know that he deserves a follow today since he's not coming on the podcast. Yeah, and he said no very, uh, like he said yes, and then he knew he was going to say no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, he was like... Yes. And then he was like, no. Yeah. Um, what else do we do here? We uh, we read things, right, on The Athletic, and that's uh, we're going to discuss some of the stories that you guys have written. Very complicated, uh, but very informative stories on both the quarterback and the cap situation for the Bears. Not the David Kaplan situation, but the Bears salary cap situation. So we're going to get into all of that. You can read me at WGNRadio.com slash Bears. And uh, as we discussed earlier in the, this week, my first mock draft of the year is up there. So if you haven't seen that yet, you can go find it. Um, also, I have 10 Bears things up from the Super Bowl last week, if you missed that as well. So plenty of things for you to read, but today we're going to keep it focused right here on The Athletic, which is where you're listening to this podcast. We appreciate you being a loyal subscriber. And uh, right now, what I think you should do is go find a friend uh, that you know is a Bears fan or just a sports fan, because you can read about anything on The Athletic, uh, and they can go to theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns and get 40% off their subscription. And we're always encouraging new people to sign up here and uh, check out the podcast and everything else that you guys have to offer on The Athletic. So make sure you go do that. Um. Let's start with your quarterback story, okay, Adam Johns? Okay. Uh, long piece. You've been doing this series on basically how to fix the Bears. There are different areas where they uh, fell short in 2019. Obviously, quarterback is one of those spots. So uh, as you went through this here, what kind of conclusions did you make? Like, oh, my gosh, these options out there in free agency are not sexy whatsoever. Yeah. Phillip Rivers, I, I tried to be realistic about it, uh, you, you can check it out. The, the, the headline is Fixing the Quarterback. How far will the Bears go to find competition for Mitch Trubisky? And the buzz, I'm telling you guys, anybody's going to listen, that the Bears are going to completely change their quarterback's room other than Mitch Trubisky. It's finding the right guys to compete with him. I don't think they're going for Tom Brady. I don't think they're going for Drew Brees. We all have to be realistic about this. Those just seem like dream scenarios. Now, Phillip Rivers may be a bit different, but... Phil Rivers isn't exactly coming off a great year. If he was, I don't think the Chargers would get rid of him. Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, even Teddy Bridgewater. None of these guys really, really excite me. I don't know how you feel about it, Adam, but like when I was writing my conclusion on this piece, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like it's going to be Trubisky all over again in, in 2020. And I'm okay with that if he's better, but they need to find somebody to spur him on. And I don't know who exactly is going to do it well enough. Well, and that's part of this thing here is that uh, I know fans are frustrated with the quarterback spot. I know the majority of them uh, are, are really frustrated with Trubisky. And I, I think almost too many of them are just ready to cut ties right now. The context in the, Big picture of the quarterback position in the NFL matters here. And that's the thing. Would you rather have Andy Dalton, who's how old is he now? The Red Rifle? Yeah. He's in his 30s. He's in his 30s. Or Mitch Trubisky, who's, what, 26? Yeah. Okay. Um, Would would you, right there, 
like don't even let's not even talk about the money. Would you would you rather have Andy Dalton over Mitchell Trubisky? Like I, Andy Dalton to me is just an older Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, with with red hair. With red it's, hair. Yes, I, you know yes. you know what I mean. And like Mitch can still do more on the field in today's NFL in terms of movement and um and and when he's playing like too many people I think are just forgetting the the, the Thanksgiving game in Detroit and the week after that against the Cowboys. And I understand that it was the um, exception, not the rule in 2019. But those games still did happen, and you saw those flashes. And I do think when you hear people, like we've talked about in the last week or so, like Kyle Long, who played on the team, talk about how no quarterback could have succeeded with what the Bears had offensively last season. Like, that stuff matters, and, and you just can't, as much angst and anger right now that people have don't let it cloud the reality in the big picture. Like Andy Dalton, if he gets cut, what's the market going to be for him? Well, it's still the quarterback position. And when you consider like Chase Daniel was getting $10 million, right? Andy Dalton's still not going to be cheap. Not dirt cheap. And so when you and this is where your your story and Kevin Fishbane's story like overlap because there's not a whole lot of cap space out there that the Bears have to operate with here. No, no. You 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 already have to do some, I call it serious salary cap maneuvering in the story. You already have to do that because if you're going to pay up for one of these best tight ends, Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, you, gotta, you need to clear some space. They're going to be top of the line market. Like they're, they're at the top of the market in free agency. They're, they're going to set it. They're going to make a lot of money, a lot of guaranteed money in free agency. The market starts with them. Right now, you don't have the financial resources to bring in a guy like that. So you already have to do some maneuvering to, to add a tight end, to add maybe a right guard, to add some pass rush help. I get the salary cap's always fluid, but it's not always that fluid. Not when you have to pay Cleo Mack and you just paid Eddie Jackson. You got Eddie Goldman's contract extension on the books now. You got Cody Whitehair's contract extension on the books now. You're already paying some of your own guys. You need to find some flexibility, but there's not like there's a point in, in, in terms of trying to find that. You know, eventually, what you have is just what you have, and you got to make it work. And and there's. But that, this is still the problem. They still got to do like as this is where your story is uh, uh, really just kind of paints the picture of how tough of a spot this is because you still can't ignore it. Like I, even though we just said what we said and they're up against the cap, and I don't know that anyone else coming in is going to be a huge upgrade over Mitch Trubisky. Um, really, I think what you're doing is try to protect yourself if Trubisky continues to go downhill instead of rebounding, right? But Correct. that's. It, it's going to cost money, but you still have to have that option. Like, you still have to do something here. And that's where it's tough. So, you know, if it's if it's Andy Dalton making what Chase Daniel was making, um, you could probably do that. I still, and I, I know I've talked about this in the on the pod before in past weeks, I keep coming back to Nick Foles and trying to work out a trade there because the Jaguars know that they're going to have to eat some of that money. And, and so I don't necessarily know what the exact compensation is going to be. Maybe it's that fourth round pick the Bears are picking up uh, if they can get the Jaguars to eat more and more of the money to make that more affordable. But when I look at those connections that Nick Foles has, Matt Nagy, 
Bill Lazor, John Filippo, and he's the type of guy that we know has a proven track record, proven as in Super Bowl ring, can be the guy who backs up somebody like Mitchell Trubisky, and if there's a situation where he has to go play, he can not only win games, but do more than win games. Yes. I, I still think, and Pace, General Manager Ryan Pace said this at the end of the, the season press conference, the best case scenario for the Bears long-term for the franchise is that Mitch Trubisky shakes off whatever happened in 2019, right. that the issues that he dealt with, he improves from them, and he becomes the, the viable long-term option for the Bears. But I think the Bears know they can't go into the season operating with 100% certainty that's going to happen. Now, maybe they, they felt that way last year because of how good he was in 2018. The guy had the third highest QBR in the league, and I get that some of that is with his legs, but he still was a playmaker in 2018. Things looked okay going into 2019. The story is different. Now you should have these serious doubts about what he can be, not only in 2020, but long-term. Like, can he shake off everything that's weighing on him? Not only his own problems on the field, but all the pressure he has to deal with off it. Chicago is so different than every other market in this country. It's just different. It's, it's, it's a team that's never really had a franchise quarterback. It's a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl since 1985. It's a founding franchise in the NFL. The pressure here is intense. Not everybody can handle it. So you consider all that, and you have to find a backup plan. You have to have a contingency plan that's not Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray. If Mr. Risky can't shake off what happened last year, you need to have a better option. That could be Andy Dalton. That could be Nick Foles. So I'm glad you brought up Foles because I, I think there's already a market for or at least an example of what the market could be for Nick Foles in terms of a trade. The last year, the Titans did it with Ryan Tannehill. So in order to trade for Tannehill, the Titans – well, let's see. Let me read this. This is from ESPN. Miami Dolphins are trading longtime starting quarterback Ryan Tannehill to the Tennessee Titans. Miami will receive a 2024th-round pick – along with a 2019 seventh-round pick in exchange for Tannehill and a 2019 sixth-round pick. So, yep, picks going back and forth. But here's the key. The Titans restructured Tannehill's contract into a deal that will pay him $7 million fully guaranteed. The deal was made much easier for Tennessee since Miami will pay $5 million of the guaranteed money in the form of a signing bonus. So you need the Jaguars to do the same if you're going to acquire Nick Foles. Yeah. And I think that's, but the Jack, it's a little different because obviously Miami was ready to give up on Ryan Tannehill. The situation with Jacksonville is different because Nick Foles just got hurt after a year ago. They were, you know, they love the guy. Um, and Nick Foles gets hurt. All of a sudden, Gardner Minshew out of nowhere steps up. So I think the question there is do they think, they have to decide which one they, which guy they want to roll with. And obviously having Nick Foles is a great backup plan. But you can't be paying that guy that much money as a backup probably. No. And no, remember, no, absolutely. they have new management down there in, in Jacksonville too. So that's where I think the speculation where they might want to you know, cut ties with Nick Foles. They could save some money overall by getting, you know, even if they have to eat some of the money, moving on from him, using that money elsewhere. 
And I think a lot of that makes sense for Jacksonville. And then it, this, that's where I keep coming back to. I think this is something that could make sense for both sides. The problem is all these other positions the Bears need to address. I mean, if you're going to bring on a quarterback, again, whatever the dollar value is, it's good. you don't have a whole lot of space right now. You know, like I read a great story. Um, actually, I've been struggling to find out where I read this. Uh, but there was a good free agent breakdown on uh, Brandon Sheriff from uh, Washington, who's, you know, perfect to me, perfect right guard to go out and sign in free agency. But he's not going to be cheap. Right now, the projections are about $14 million per season for a guy like that, Ooh. who has also ended both of the last two seasons hurt. 28 years old. Uh you're getting close to like, and that's, that's a lot of money to spend on a guy who's all of a sudden starting to have some injury issues, even though he's a really good right guard. And if healthy is exactly the type of piece that you plug in there uh, and, and greatly improve your offensive line. You always overpay in free agency. Mm -hmm. Always, especially when you're talking about top of the line guys, the first wave of free agency, heck, even into the second wave of free agency. Aaron Lynch got a $5 million contract in 2018. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I, And the market returned to the Bears for 2019. The deal he took last year was significantly different than what he had in 2018. But again, the Bears aren't dealing from a position of strength heading into this uh, offseason um, in terms of, of finding the right personnel. So... You always overpay. Pace called it a long time ago. He, he called free agency treacherous waters because it, it really is because you, you tend to, you know, really bite yourself by overpaying guys and the Jaguars. You know, they, they've done that year after year after year. Uh, you're right. Maybe the new management wants to shake things up. I, I If I'm them, I run with the young guy. I, I really do. Yeah. Um, again, the long-term benefit of having a young quarterback in place is immense. I think Minshew showed you some things. Uh, maybe a little bit more than Foles. Don't forget that Foles came back, and Minshew was struggling. So they put Foles back in, and then Foles still struggled, so Minshew went back in. So I think that said it to me. They're going to run with Minshew, even though he got turned bulky down there now, and handling their, their, their personnel. A lot of things to get through like this. Like, do you have to trade for Andy Dalton? Like, what's the market going to be for Teddy Bridgewater? Like, is Marcus Mariota healthy? Is that nerve damage still lingering? There are so many scenarios to play out, so much information to gather on these guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty pretty complicated right now. Um, and I think the Ryan Pace can even look at one of his own extensions that he handed out last year. I mean, the what you got gotta be careful even giving extensions to your own guys when they're at a certain age, like this Bobby Massey contract right now. It's a messy contract. Messy and massive. That's what I just did is combine those two words. Um, he is getting paid a lot of money and is now 30, 31, I believe. So you gave a guy who's... That 30-year-old Mark Johns is usually like that 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 barrier, right? That threshold where uh, yeah. more times than not, maybe once in a while you'll regret letting one of those guys go, but more times than not, when they're 30 you feel a little bit better about letting those free agents walk um, if they get there. And I think that's part of the conversation right now with Danny Trevathan. You know, heart and soul of the defense, obviously a good player, but right there at 30 and coming off an injury. You just got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. That, that Massey contract is tough. I mean, Trevathan is tough because I, I think you want to re-sign the younger player, Nick Wachowski, 
who's proven to be durable, proven to be a pretty good linebacker, who's looking like he's coming into his own. But Trevathan might be cheaper just because of his age, and he's coming off a dislocated elbow. Nick Kowski hits the market. He could be the top of the line inside linebacker out there. That's definitely something his agency has to consider. A lot of things to get through. I think these would be easier conversations for the Bears to have if Trubisky didn't have the season he had. I mean, of course it would be, but that like trickles down to so many other positions, right? Like if you get that one right, you're you're not worried about trading for Nick Foles. You're not worried about you know what the market is going to be for Teddy Bridgewater. You're not worried about finding the best competition for your starting quarterback. You can focus on all the other positions you need. And this is a tough spot the Bears are in after Mr. Trubisky had that big regression in 2019. So um, this is a good transition to Kevin Fishbane's story where um, if you want a really, really, really in-depth look at all the numbers and how they break down um, by cutting certain guys, what certain guys are are on the books right now for, uh, again, you can look at this while we're talking about it on the Athletic app right now. You just minimize the podcast, find the story. Uh, It's Kevin Fishbane's story with the headline capped out. Here are ways Bears GM Ryan Pace can get more salary space for 2020. Um, right now, the Bears currently have 4.929 million in cap space, which ranks 29th in the NFL. So they don't have a ton, um, but included in the cap hits right now, they're still on the books. Is Kyle Long, who is at 9.6 million dollars. And he's obviously retiring, so you get you get certain relief in certain places. But Kevin basically went through here and tried to figure out where you can restructure some contracts and which guys you should cut to create the space you need. Yeah, I think everybody's looking at Prince Mukamara and Taylor Gabriel right now. You cut a Mukamara, you could save eight million bucks. Cut Gabriel, you could save four and a half. Adam Shahini's probably gone, but that only gets you you know a million and a quarter. There's a lot of moves that have to be made. Maybe you can extend the Mukamara to get that cap hit down. But again, like you said earlier, there's there's a danger in extending guys that are in their 30s. Like I feel like Bobby Massey, maybe the injury played a role. Maybe he was dealing with things, you know, like, like Kyle Long was that, that weren't reported. But that's going to stick with you. Just like the Charles Leno's contract all of a sudden is now sticking with you yep. because of the struggles he had last year. And I get he's a serviceable left tackle. And I get he could, you know, in terms of what the market is, he, he, he's okay. He's not a bad player. Went to the Pro Bowl as an alternate last year. But you still need a bit more. You, you, you really do. That offensive line is a problem for, for any quarterback that's going to play behind it. You know, there comes a point when, when the maneuvering has to end. And you can only cut so many guys. You still need to start some guys, you know. Some of these guys are actually still pretty good players like Amukamara. Like, what do you do with Leonard Floyd? You know, do, do you release him and save $13 million and add a couple other guys, you know, that fill out your roster a bit better? A lot of decisions, man. It's, it's tough. It, it, but eventually... You know, you need you gotta you gotta play guys. You know, like I don't know if the Bears defense is, is any better if you're getting rid of a, a Prince of Mukamara and, and Leonard Floyd. You have to see what's being brought in, but I don't think the Bears get better that way, at least not initially. No, they don't. And you also I mean it's just a huge reality check when you look at the the first chart Kevin Fishbane has in the story, the top twenty cap hits for the Bears. Uh Cleo Mack, twenty eight years old, his cap number is twenty six point six million dollars. 
uh, when you see that, it goes back to the conversations we had during the season, which is like, it may seem unfair because it's not like Khalil Mack was playing poorly, but it's exactly why he needs to get to, he needs to get the sacks. Like whatever the excuses are, he doesn't have enough help. He's getting triple teamed, whatever it is. $26.6 million against the cap. You need that production. You need him to play like a defensive player of the year candidate. Yes. Every year for that type of money. Every year. He did not do that in 2019. Did not. Not whatsoever. I mean, that's like elite quarterback money. Um, yes. The, what these guys are getting paid right now at the quarterback position towards the top of the line. Like, not that Jared Goff's an elite quarterback, but he you know, was paid like one last year. That was $33 million. So more than Khalil Mack, obviously, because it's quarterback. But that's the type of ballpark that we're in here talking about Khalil Mack's contract. And so it, it you can't pay elite quarterbacks and elite pass rushers at the same time. Now, the Bears aren't really in position right now where they need to spend that type of money on a quarterback. I think they're hoping to get there with Mitchell Trubisky. Um, but obviously, 2019 was was somewhat of a reality check there. But this is exactly why the Raiders traded Khalil Mack in the first place, because they had given Derek Carr the money. Now, they may have made a mistake there, but that's why they had to make that move, because they couldn't really afford to, to pay Khalil Mack. Now, there's a whole bunch of other reasons in there. They're moved to Vegas and all this kind of stuff. But... Um, you know, when you start to look at the fact, John, that just getting out of that fifth-year option with Leonard Floyd saves you $13.2 million, I understand the things that Ryan Pace said after the season. I actually agree with him. Like, he's he's a good, he's a good player. He's, good, he's, he's a good player. He's a starter. Uh, he does good things out there on the field. But $13.2 million, can you... It's not just money on the defense. Like, can you take some of that money and put it towards what you need to do on offense? Can you take some of that money and help you go sign a Brandon Sheriff or a tight end or help pull off a Nick Foles trade? You know what I mean? Like, this is can you take some of what you have allocated to the defense to help improve the offense? But if you're going to do that, same thing with Prince of Mukamara, you better have replacements. Yeah. Yeah. So, can I just give you an example of. Like how ridiculous quarterback money can get because I, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to get paid. Yeah, I, agree. I, I think just in terms of like the young, maybe not young, he's not young, but in terms of the non Breezes, the non Brady's, maybe even the non Rivers, like Teddy Bridgewater is going to sign a contract. So, like last year, this is Nick Foles signed a four year, $88 million contract. $50 million guaranteed with the Jaguars. This is Nick Foles. Now, I know he won the Super Bowl, but this is a guy who has been – he's a journeyman. I know he's had some success, but he's still a journeyman. When, you, when you're on that many teams, you're a journeyman. So his cap hit for 2020 is $22 million, over $22 million. That would put him on the Bears' books. Again, this is just not even a hypothetical, but just in terms of context. That's right behind Cleo Mack and right above Allen Robinson. That, that would be his cap hit on the Bears' books if, if they did something outrageous uh, financially-wise and like signed the Teddy Bridgewater, who could command something similar. Like Looking at what Nick Foles did, like Teddy Bridgewater is probably thinking the same. Four years, $88 million? Yeah. Heck yeah. Pay me. Show me the money. You know, like, 
guarantee you that's what he's thinking. Quarterbacks always get paid. I don't know who's going to give it to him. I really don't, but that's what happens. I mean, Mike Glennon here, we should all know. We should all live and learn from this. Mike Glennon got $18.5 million guaranteed for one year. That would be number two right behind Cleo Mack, right above Allen Robinson. Quarterbacks get paid. They have their own market. They have their own draft. They're different than everybody else. I don't know what the answer is there, man. I, I really don't. You know, my, my educated guess at the end was was waiting the Bengals out, signing Andy Dalton for maybe something cheaper than drafting a guy later on. Like, everything has to come through the draft. That's where you, you get younger. People, players are cheaper. But the Bears are in a tough spot right now, man. This calorie cap, I don't want to say it's salary cap hell, but there's a lot of contracts you got to get through. Well, they very, yeah, they very suddenly went from tons of space to, um, you know, really not having much. And that's, you know, the, that's the Khalil Mack deal, which again is why he needs to be playing like an all pro every single year, if not defensive player of the year. Uh, I liked in Kevin's story what he did here. Ultimately, with Allen Robinson, Leonard Floyd, and Prince Amukamara, because I do think you got to be careful about letting both Floyd and Amukamara go. Um, anyway, he re- basically came up with extensions here, projected extension numbers that would lower their cap charges down in 2020. So, Allen Robinson, five year deal. $82.3 million with $30 million guaranteed without getting in too much of the minutia. It would bring his cap charge down to uh, down to you'd save 2 million in 2020. So creating some space, that would be a win for the bears. Lock up Allen Robinson long-term save cap space in 2020. Leonard Floyd, then four years, $47.35 million. That sounds like maybe a crazy amount of money for Leonard Floyd at this point. But with 18.5 million only guaranteed, and the way that this was actually projected is it could actually only end up being a two-year deal, so you can get out of it. These are the types of contracts that Ryan Pace frequently signs, and maybe has some incentives in there and things like that. Um, but it would save 4.6 million dollars against the cap in 2020. So right there, we're down. We're we're saving 6.6 million against the cap just with between those two extensions. And then when Prince of Mukamara, who I tend to side, I feel like I'm in the minority here, but I, I think you, I'm fine bringing Prince back, but you got to lower the money because I still think he's a good player and I don't think the Bears have a whole lot of depth at corner right now. But he signs a two-year deal with only $5.5 million guaranteed. That would um, save $2.4 million. So essentially that adds up to... $9 million in cap savings just between those three deals, which you're actually extend, extending good good players, lowering cap, creating cap space of $9 million, which would certainly help. Could go sign another, you know, another good player with that money. Yeah, yeah, that could go a long way. Mm-hmm. To, to me, now, now Kevin, we, we should mention, did this to help with, with the help of uh, over the caps, uh, Brad Spielberger. Obviously, over the cap is, I mean, that's an exceptional website just in terms of getting through the nuances of the NFL uh, salary cap. For me, in terms, if, if I had to like rank these set scenarios, hypotheticals, contract extensions, like Allen Robinson is number one. I would do that in a second. I think he was a great player and a great, and he's great in that locker room. He, he's a great team player. I would bring him back, and he's only 26 years old, which is crazy. I feel like there's just certain players that surprise you with how young they are in the league. Allen Robinson is definitely one. The guy's only 26, yeah. of course. He's Sign a no-brainer. Up, right? Yeah. 
Sign me up right away. Um, then I would do Prince of Mukamara. I know he's he's older, but he's I know there's been injury problems in the past, hamstrings and whatnot. But he's a professional, another good locker room guy. He's on your leadership council. He's and he he did not play at an awful level in 2019. I think he's actually quite underrated uh, in terms of his value on that defense. Now is he an All Pro every year? No. But he's a good starting cornerback, a reliable one. Is he the fastest player? No. But again, he's a good starting quarterback or cornerback, a reliable one. I would have no problem extending him uh, definitely by by another year. Floyd, I'd be real hesitant about. Uh, I'll be honest with you. How he only had three sacks last year with more pass rush snaps with Cleo Mack on the other side. It is beyond me, and I get the value of him. I get the the flexibility, the versatility, but the guy just can't sack the quarterback. And, and okay, like not every guy is a ten sack pass rusher. I understand that, but I don't know. I I think maybe you can find somebody. You had a guy in your mock draft, Adam. Yeah, you did. Well, well like I was about maybe to bring you could draft a guy. Yeah, I was about to bring that up because this is sort of the problem with having free agency before the draft. Uh, and you have to make a decision on that fifth year option before the new league year, correct? I think I think it locks in at a certain point, doesn't it? Right. right. Uh, um so you know, if the Bears were able to draft Bradley and Nye, who is who I mocked in the second round in my Bears mock draft the other day, talented pass rusher out of Utah, I'd feel perfectly okay with letting Leonard Floyd walk. I, especially after that, because I'm like, you can't, because I, I view an eye as a guy who can come in and basically be your number two right away with Khalil Mack. Well, I don't want to be paying my number three, then $13.3 million. So then, then it makes them way overpaid. So that's, that's, but there's, but if you make that decision on Leonard Floyd early, there's no guarantee of how the draft's going to work out. You don't necessarily know what you're going to have. That's the, that's the risk there involved. There's always emotion. There's always biases attached to first round picks, yeah. and Leonard Floyd is no different. But you got to be honest with yourself if you're the Bears looking at this guy. You, you really do. Again, he's he's a great athlete, but he's not a great pass rusher. And thirteen million dollars is a lot of money. I, like, it's not outrageous money, but it's still a lot of money for what you're getting from him. Does that make sense? You, you need more. You need like six, seven sacks. Like if he gave me seven sacks last year, okay, I, I'd bring him back for that thirteen million. I, I, I would. I, I would swallow it and give him like one more swing at becoming maybe a top tier guy. But I have my doubts, serious doubts that he'll ever be that. I don't think he's built to be that great athlete. Could do a lot of things for you in coverage, and I think defenses need that nowadays. They really do. But the price matters, Adam. The yeah, price really matters. Yeah, and and ultimately. The market. One thing I disagreed with Kevin and his piece with just small was I. I think he wrote that the you would think the. Um, oh, here it is right now. Any contract restructuring for Floyd would likely have to include guaranteeing him at least the thirteen point two million dollars he set to earn in twenty twenty. That would be the baseline. I don't know if I agree with that because that might not even be a number he gets on the open market right now. Yeah, yeah. Without no, that, the production. That's and that's ultimately what the market is. And, and that's a projection, but that's why you pay the people in your organization to come up with those projections. But you got to think about it in terms like of, if we want to restructure this player, 
what is he going to get on the open market? Um, and that's where the negotiations begin. So all, my guess here is with Floyd, that's what happens is they work out a deal um, that greatly lowers his cap number. And, you know, he may end up getting $13 million guaranteed over the lifetime of that contract. But um, I think that's what makes the most sense. Because here's, here's also the problem. This speaks to what you just said about emotion, but also optics and your own job security. Last year, you had to let Kevin White walk. He's not even in football anymore. Okay. Um, that was your first first-round pick. Now Leonard Floyd, he's your next first-round pick. And if he's not on your team next year, that's not a great look. Yeah. Then the next guy is Mitchell Trubisky. And right now, there's no guarantee he's going to be on the team in 2021. So you start going down the line here with your first-round draft picks, and questions start to be asked, not just like people by us, not just fans, but within the own organization when you start talking about job security. Now, that's just honest, fair talk at this point with players that have been drafted so far. Um, And I'm not even suggesting that that's going to go into the decision-making, but I... Some you know so, some ways you can justify this by saying, well, it's best to have Leonard Floyd on the team. He is a first round pick. We just need to lower the money a little bit and create more cap space. Right, right. You just got to be able to do it. I, I would actually even be comfortable giving him like fifteen million, sixteen million guaranteed because and maybe just you divide that in half, right? You you, yeah. you you change some of that into a signing bonus and you maneuver the cap that way. Like the the rules of the CBA. Uh, allow for all this. Now the CBA could change. Uh, we know the cap is going to go up. It always does. So we'll see what happens. But but you're right about the optics of the first round pick. You know, I was looking at the the history of of, of Jerry Angelo not too long ago, and he was here for what eleven years. Yeah, had some great teams. Team that went to the Super Bowl. Team that went to the NFC Championship game. Everybody remembers that in 2011, where Jay Cutler's on the sideline. But the, the story of, of Angelo's demise is failing to get that quarterback position right and missing on first-round picks, continuously missing on first-round picks year after year after year. Then he even traded a bunch because he got Cutler, but that was ultimately part of his demise. Like He even traded one of his first-round picks in, in Greg Olson yeah. uh, because Mike Marsh didn't want him. But you, I get the hit rate on first-round picks. Like Historically, it's like 50%. But you can't let it dip to 33% or 25%, which, you know, the Bears, in terms of optics, are on the verge of possibly doing. Yeah. Uh, So, well, hopefully this helps kind of set the uh, picture here as we we dive into um, really what happens in February is sometimes you'll get some of these cap casualties come down. You'll, uh, I believe... Deion Sims was cut in February last year uh, before the combine. So some of that stuff will happen. Uh, Usually at the combine, we'll hear about a a player or two that might be let go or, you know, usually there's some type type of news that that Ryan Pace will give us when we talk to him in two and a half weeks in uh, Indianapolis. And then the combine is where these discussions really start to heat up a little bit. And you start to get a better idea of which targets are out there in free agency, what the Bears might be going after. Um, 
And then a couple weeks after that is actually the start of free agency. So it'll all come here really, really quick. And hopefully this kind of helps set the stage. Now, um, before all that happens, Las Vegas has already come out with win totals for 2020 now that uh, the Super Bowl is over. And without knowing who the Bears are going to add or subtract or anything like that, the Bears projected win total, at least what you can bet on, the over-under for wins in 2020 is eight. What was last year's before the season? Nine? I I believe it was nine. I believe it was nine and a half. Yes, that sounds right. So, and everyone thought that I, was low. Yeah, well, well, looking, you know, Vegas knows their stuff, and just, just my one thought on this is, is: look, the Bears aren't a bad team. They're not. They're really not. They got talent on, on, on defense. You, know, you get Allen Robinson. They're not the bottom of the barrel, even though statistically in some offensive categories they were there or close to it. But they're not the worst team talent-wise across the board in the NFL. No, they're not. They're somewhere in the middle, maybe slightly above average in, in some areas. But they're not a bad team. So eight and eight sounds perfect for me. Again, you know, I thought it was perfect for last year for how they played. Not the worst team, not the best team, just living life in the middle. You know, NFL purgatory is rough there because you can live that life for a long time. But I have no problem with that. That being the over-under, at least here on February 6th, 2020. <laughs> well, it makes the evaluation uh, pr- pretty simple because the Bears won eight games. They went eight and eight this year. So with their win total, again, at eight, it's simply a matter of, do you think the Bears are going to get better or worse in, in 2020? Um, and I, I think that my, I, my gut right now is I'm, I'm still struggling to... S- I, don't, I still don't see this thing going like completely downhill. I... I I, I just think the – I guess I still have enough belief in Matt Nagy as the head coach. Um, and we've seen enough of what – certainly Ryan Pace has not been perfect, and we just discussed some of the first-round picks. But he's overwhelmingly improved this roster over the last five years. Uh, I know fans would like to see it you know, improved even more than it has, and it's taken a while. Uh, but there's no doubt that he ripped this thing down and made it better. So – I still have enough belief there that I I would tend to, as we discussed this on February 6th, before we any, any of this happens with free agency or the draft, I would still lean towards at least a one-game improvement in 2020 rather than uh, a step in the other direction. Yeah. Again, they're not a bad team. They're not things like you, you could see the, the Packers suffer regression. You can see all sorts of crazy things happen. You know, it's just the, it's the NFL. Injuries change things. You know, injuries change this season for the Bears significantly, starting with Mitch Trubisky's torn labrum in his shoulder. Then he had Akeem Hicks. He had some big ones this year to get through uh, for, for the Bears. So, yeah, we'll see. They're not a bad team. They're not. But being stuck in the middle, it could take a while to get out of it. And sometimes you have to go down before you can get all the way back up again. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Unless you got anything else, Johnsy. Nothing. Nothing. Kyle Long, he is a superstar in Chicago radio radio <laughs> right now. I think that's the biggest news thing going on Bears wise in the city. Yeah, and there was one interesting nugget uh, from this morning. They had 
Chris Long on at the same time on the phone, and Kyle brought up how uh, after they lost to the Eagles in the playoffs last year, remember Chris was on that Eagles team, he asked Chris if the Bears had won, did he feel did his brother feel like they could have made a run? And Chris's response was, no, you guys weren't physical enough as a team. And Kyle agreed. He said that on the field that day, it was very obvious that the Eagles were the more physical football team. Just found that that's like that's like the ultimate football insult, by the way. Yeah, it is. It, but it specifically, it seemed like Chris was talking about the running game and how. Oh yes, you know, look, the Bears' defense was plenty physical. Right, right, but I, it, yeah, Chris seemed to be talking. This gets back to the running game because Chris seemed to be talking about. He went on a little bit of a that wasn't a tangent; it was just an explanation that certain schemes take advantage of the physical nature of their offensive linemen better. And right now, his opinion was that the Bears' running scheme doesn't bring out a lot of physicality in the players. So. I mean, because it's not a lot of power. It's not a lot of power running. It's not wrong. It's yeah. not wrong whatsoever. Uh, but, but even, I, I think personnel is part of that. There's a lot of teams that use the inside, outside zone that are plenty nasty up front. Right. Well, and so that's, I, I, that, I think it's a combination of things. And, and I think the fact that it's the Eagles and it's Doug Peterson off the Andy Reid tree, boy, if you don't need more proof that the Bears can do it, um, you know, with this offense, with this system, it's right there. It's right there. Yeah. It's it's not like what they're running. They can't do more of this stuff. And I think that's what we keep preaching so far this offseason is that nobody's calling for an overhaul of the entire offense or Matt Nagy to rewrite his 7,000 play playbook. Just take advantage of the players' strengths, focus on certain things, um, and maybe, you know, lower the volume a little bit too, the volume of plays to make it easier for the players to process it all. Um, that's all. Not ju- and that's not just the quarterback. That no, it's everybody. It's everybody. Um, there's a lot of, lot of examples of that. Okay. Just wanted to sneak that in there at the end. Glad we did. Kyle Long. It's something to think, it's something to think about, though, as, as the Bears go into the, the combine. This, this is when everything gears up. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the combine. We got some nice dinners planned, Adam. Helps us hopefully get through the winter. Hopefully it's not too snowy. <laughs> well, if it is, we don't have to shovel it down there. No. We have to deal with it, though. Remember the ice storm not too long ago? A couple years back? I do. Because that was when I, uh, the story I've told about how I carried Josina Anderson's bag down the stairs, and then she blocked me on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those things are not related, yeah. but... It's my only interaction with her ever, so at least in person. There you have it. You didn't, you didn't carry it well enough. I guess not. I guess not. All right, we're out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can find my stuff at WGNRadio.com slash Bears. You can find all the stuff we've been discussing here on The Athletic, right where you're listening to this podcast. It's in the app. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you subscribing. Go tell a friend. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. It's easy, it's affordable, and it's good journalism. You sell it good enough? Yeah. You're getting better at it. Thanks, bud. Talk to you See soon. See you guys. That's not cliche talk. That's real talk.